everyone, and welcome back to Dear Old World, my podcast where I have my friends on to talk about the cool things that they do. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you've been listening. I hope you like it. I'm back this week with another very wonderful guest. His name is Matt Enlow, and if you follow me, you know him as the director of a series I did back in 2012, Lo, these 10 years ago, called Squaresville. And I owe Squaresville so much my life would look completely different if I hadn't been in that show and I learned so much from Matt at that time and continue to look up to him as a person who just really knows what he's doing he has got his own podcast called Just Shoot It which is all about um, filmmaking they have all kinds of different filmmakers on so if that's something you're interested in you should definitely go listen to that podcast. There are so many episodes available for you. And this is an episode I originally uh, recorded for my Patreon back in March of last year, March of 2022. So it's a little, it's like a year and a half old, but uh, Matt has some great insight about making independent projects and independent films. And I hope that you will enjoy hearing from him. So without further ado, let's get into this week's interview with Matt Inlow. Hey, Matt. Mary Kay Wiles. How are you? We're podcasting together. Look at us podcasters podcasting. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. are the real podcaster. I, I just dabble, but you are. I've just been doing it for too long. How many episodes have you guys done now? Uh, 303. Did yeah. you have a party? That's crazy. Uh, no, 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 we didn't. <laughs> well, to you be gotta fair, make it, yourself a cake. <laughs> it did line up to like uh, New Year's, so we had like a few. We had like a panel show, which we do every New Year's, basically. That's fun. I yeah. wow. So how many years is that? You know, I don't know honestly because because um, <laughs> I was uh, on it when we were doing like Poe Party Kickstarter, and that sure. was six years ago. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I wonder what episode you were. We weren't super consistent in the first year and a half. And so mm -hmm. the math isn't clean of just like, you know, figuring it out. But like, yeah, six, six, seven years, something like that. That's yeah. so amazing and crazy. Yeah. Good for you. Well, you know, uh, in the pandemic, it's yep. uh, a little heartbeat. A little mm -hmm. thing to do and a reason to connect with people. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's been it's been nice. Will you tell us more about it? I'm sure some of my listeners sure. might not be um, familiar. Uh, yeah, likely not. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's called Just Shoot It. And it's a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting and directing. It's hosted by myself and Oren Kaplan. Um, and we just talk to mostly directors, but uh, we'll talk to all sorts of different creative types. But through the lens of... Uh, the craft and business of directing, basically. So, like, how does a director collaborate with an actor, for instance, <laughs> or something like that? Definitely worth listening to if any of you people listening are wanting to get into filmmaking. It is just, like, a wealth of info. Yeah, sure. It's uh, 300 episodes of me <laughs> babbling. So. But we have very smart guests, so that, that's worth it. Do you sure. find that you – are you, like, struggling to find guests now? I mean, you must have had everybody in town on this podcast. Um, it's the other way around. So we, a few years back, got on enough, like, PR lists mm -hmm. that we're getting pitched people all the time now. But it's a thing where we actually kind of are readjusting – it's so much better to have a conversation with a person you know and you have a shorthand with. Yeah. And like the, the show kind of – the listener reached out and was like, hey, the show's kind of changed. Hmm. And I noticed that like it used to be that we just like, 
you know, a friend would have a movie at a festival or a show, you know, whatever, like, you know, a reason to promote something. Mm -hmm. So we'd have them on and, and hang out and talk for a little bit. And it was so much fun. And then it started being strangers who had stuff to promote. And mm -hmm. like, it is fascinating to learn that certain filmmakers just don't know how to talk about their work in a way that is universal. Mm. You know, it's hard to like, like simple questions like, why should people watch your movie when it's playing at a big ass film festival? Mm -hmm. You know, like most of the time it's like Sundance or South by or like a world class festival. And they'd be like, well, and you're like, no, just, wow. You, you got thousands of people listening right now. Just sell the movie real quick, please. Yeah. Wow. Please just, you know, Huh. It's, it's fascinating. So uh, all of which is to say that podcasting, I think, is very good for your career because you learn how to talk about yes. yourself in a way that is interesting to other people rather than just sounding self-involved. I think Hopefully. that is that's such an interesting thing that you bring up that I think is so important really for like anybody in this industry. Yeah, or, or just being a person. Just yeah, relating that's true. to people is tricky, you know. <laughs> so some of us just need uh, 300 episodes of practice <laughs> to get there. Do you feel like, you? I mean, that's obviously something that you've learned, but do you feel like in general it's like like you've learned a lot from doing this podcast just as a filmmaker? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, it's it truly is an excuse just to talk to people you admire. Like mm -hmm. that's the reason to keep doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And pandemic or no, we all have busy lives. And so mm -hmm. it can be hard to find an excuse to do that. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's it's been an asset. You know, it, at a certain point, you do wonder like, okay, well, why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. What am I getting out of this? What, mm -hmm. And so we kind of regularly sort of try and have that sort of come to Jesus moment and figure out like, okay, like what... Why? Why are we doing this? What do, do we need to in, change? Do you mean in terms of the podcast? In terms of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess in, in terms of life in general as well, like, you know, you kind of have to think through things a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you do. <laughs> Mary-Kate, how are you? How are you? <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I just, yeah, I feel like that moment, especially during the pandemic, I definitely know a lot of people in our circle have been like, what am I doing? Like, am I, yeah, yeah. Do, is this what I need to be doing in life? Uh, I don't know. Because it's easy to get swept up in like the busyness of it, obviously, and like mm -hmm. pitching and auditions and whatever. And then sometimes when you have a second to think, you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. I, I was thinking about uh, how excited I was to have this conversation with you because I feel like we have such a long history, you yes. know what I mean? Like really my, like our, our origin story is very intertwined, if yeah. not basically the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think we basically started together yeah and then you know here we are emerging from a pandemic uh listeners at home probably don't know i just had a baby you <gasps> Congrats. know thank you thank you thank you thank you um you know like i'm in that everyone's in that emerging from the pandemic and trying to think through like what they want and who they are and all of that stuff and i um yeah you know i i think that certainly i'm in that moment you know of like having checked off a few pretty big life goals and being like, okay, well, what's next right. and why, why? Right. And I think that 
you know, it's easy to look across the Zoom and look <laughs> at you and and see similarities and differences. And I think that it'll be it's an interesting um, conversation. You know yeah, what I mean? I totally agree. And I I mean, obviously, like I'm having thoughts that you can't have until you have been doing something for a decade of just like, mm -hmm. wow, this person I worked with this person years ago and like, look what they're doing now or look at how, you know, their their journey has like become a slightly different thing or like, oh, here we mm -hmm. are working together again. And or I don't know, it's just really interesting to look at the people in your life and like people you've worked with over the um, lens of time and just how things have evolved and, and what you've done since you worked together. And I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again a million times. Like I'm so grateful for Squaresville because it was, I truly think my, everything that happened for me after that would not have happened if I hadn't been in Squaresville. My life would be completely different. It would be pretty different. That yeah. is true. So, and, and the same for me, you know, yeah. like I think that, um, well, for listener, everybody knows about you. Nobody knows about me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Mary and Kate and I worked together on a show called Squaresville. Yes. That was like an early, um, web series it's weird because there was a time where i kind of assumed that anybody who followed me knew about squaresville at mm -hmm. least to some extent and now i realize like oh i that time is has changed like i have a lot of new followers that were not around at that time so they may not know about squaresville i had a meeting with an executive uh-huh and like later on he was like hey just so you know i loved squaresville growing up it was important to me growing up and I was like, okay, well, do you want to buy this show from me or not? Oh <laughs> well, it wasn't that that stark, but, it, you know, wow. Squaresville fans are adults now. And um, that's you weird. Know, that's weird. It's weird. It's very, very weird. Well, well we were both children, though. You know what is, I mean? I am older now than you were then, which is a weird feeling. I'm like a decent amount older now than you were then, which is a, a weird feeling because I looked up to you so much. And I really do like have to thank you and, and the whole team because like me and Kylie were were fresh out of school. I mean, Austin was 16 years old. Like we were just kids. Austin was 16 years old. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Squaresville in a lot of ways was like it really was like school for me in terms sure. of like, I, it wasn't the first thing I ever did, but it was my first experience like doing kind of like an episodic, like ongoing series. Um, well, and it was up close. Like, I don't know yeah. that actors often get the sort of um, exposure to the inner workings for better yeah. or worse. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, and all, I think all, often about how, impressed i am that that show uh cut together at all because mm -hmm. of how little i understood or knew mm. do you know what i mean like uh, from a craft level we were all learning in a very very real way yeah. and it was all instinctual which was so fun mm -hmm. i think that squaresville season one was still the most fun i've ever had making a thing do you know what i mean yeah I it think, was um, so fun. It was really fun. And it was just like a family. We, yeah. I really yeah. considered yeah, so many of those people, obviously you guys included, like my family for a long time. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, still I mean, do. We was... just haven't all worked together in the same sure. capacity in years <laughs> it's now. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, I get to work with Austin, I feel like, every like two or three years, and it's always a fucking treat. Like on commercials and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I run into him a lot, like on the street, weirdly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he's always so sweet, and it's he's always like, so oh, nice. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but truly, though, like Austin was 16, like his grandma dropped him off to table reads so wild again like looking back now on that experience and like knowing what i know about filmmaking i'm so impressed with you and the whole team with what you were all able to do and accomplish and yeah it was real low budge but it was always so at least to my eyes like professional and i don't know yeah you did a you did a great thing yeah we we um the team is really tremendous and mm-hmm. I think that there were things that we did right that we didn't realize we were doing mm-hmm. um, that just made things run smoothly. I remember doing a show that you were on, Shitty Boyfriends, mm-hmm. with uh, a handful of people. And I remember it was like a bigger budget thing. And Lisa Kudrow was the executive producer. And it was a big, big, fun thing. Um, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun if the characters... Um, you know, one of them like express themselves with their hair and makeup a little bit more. Whereas like your characters in Squaresville, we were consistent the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with actors spending hours in the chair because we would block shoot the show, right? So you would shoot a little bit of episode one, you know, in the uh, at the office in the morning. And then episode six would be in the afternoon. And then someone's call time would, you know, a new actor would show up. And so we'd go back to episode three. Or we were jumping around in episodes all the time based mm-hmm. off of location, which is a smart way to shoot. If, you know, you need, say, an expensive location for a certain amount of time, you just get it all done. Um, but it, when you need to change out hair, wardrobe, and makeup, and mm-hmm. that's all elaborate, all of a sudden you're burning time. Mm-hmm. And with you, we were like, hey, MK, can you go behind that bush and change your shirt real fast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, great, okay. <laughs> and that we didn't true. know, oh, shoot, I guess uh, <laughs> we should at least have a room, if not a motorhome. Boy, I didn't for... know the difference, so like, <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't either, and that's what made it fun. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think that season two, I remember... It was work. It was work. Mm-hmm. And, um, because mm-hmm. uh, there was, was more... there a lot more money in there season was... two? Yes. And Mary Kate, it is a laughable amount of money. Really? I can say, so season one, uh, we shot for $16,000. That's amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> crazy. And our bank accounts show it. Uh, <laughs> and then season two, season two, I, uh, God, I can't remember the number. I want to say it was 30, 40. Oh Maybe. yeah, uh huh. It was, but and remember, I gave everybody in the cast back pay mm. for season one. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, it, because it was we're talking about like five hundred dollars right. or something. Right, it wasn't <laughs> like, a lot. Was not, but, yeah. I still have the spreadsheet somewhere. It wasn't. It didn't. It was just like, oh, like here's a thank you now that we're getting paid. Right. But so all, all of which to point out though is that like of the small amount of money that we had. I still cut a good chunk of it out mm-hmm. to pay you guys back. So it was still, it felt like a tremendous amount of money now. Mm-hmm. But if, say, you kickstarted that that budget, mm-hmm. now you would be tearing your hair out, unsure of what to do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and again, speaking of just like dumb luck, when your locations are suburban houses 
and you're not permitting anything and you kind of don't really need to because you're just in a cul-de-sac and the creative lends itself to a certain style of filmmaking that you're naturally doing because you don't know any better you don't have elaborate costumes you don't have large casts all of the things that like as we've kind of grown up we started spreading our wings a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know you realize how expensive visual effects are for instance Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. so we were just uh lucky in a certain sense i think i mean yeah but I, I also think that's part of what makes the show what it is, because it sure. really does just feel like, you know, it's just like these high school kids just sure. like doing their thing. It doesn't really feel flashy or mm-hmm. whatever. And you wouldn't want it to because yeah. Yeah, yeah. then it would be a CW show. And like that's, you know, that's not yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah, we were making jokes about that. <laughs> you should go back and count how many setups are in some episodes. Do you remember the one of the, the second day of shooting? We were ahead of schedule so much that I added another episode. Really? I don't remember that. I wrote one overnight. Whoa. Which it, one was, was that? It was the, the Treehouse one, I think, was all brand new. Oh, yeah. Which it was is... like there were scraps of it laying around. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like whole cloth. It was like, oh, if I kind of squeeze these together, it'll work. I only recently took that out of my reel because I was like, <laughs> I'm not really playing high school anymore. So, but yeah, I mean, that yeah. episode I feel like is kind of the ultimate Squaresville episode a uh, little bit. You know, I haven't rewatched it in a long time, but I will say that when I do, it's a delight because I'm like, oh, I love these jokes. Mm-hmm. Like whoever wrote, I've forgotten all of them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, whoever wrote these has my exact sensibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, look, there's a couple clunkers here or there, but for the most part, I think uh, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this is my taste still. I haven't grown at all. That's I great. think it's great. I think it's a, yeah. a, a little Marvel and I'm glad that it got, I mean, I, it was a weird thing to be running in conjunction with Lizzie Bennett that was getting just like huge sure f- numbers of fans watching but I'm glad that Squaresville got all the critical acclaim that it did because well and we got viewers it. thanks to Lizzie Bennett for sure yeah. like yeah. there was no it's not a coincidence that the show really started to take off once Lizzie Bennett launched mm-hmm. for sure that's mm-hmm. just how the algorithm works you yeah. know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank god yeah. you know what I mean like the show could have had a thousand views an episode, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Which is so many people. Yes. Um, Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was an interesting and special time that, uh, I mean, even just that landscape has changed. And like, I remember, you know, you would, you would take us to these like tube filter mixers and stuff. And there was all this like stuff on the internet and there were vidcon panels and like panels for web series and like that's not really a thing in the same way anymore it was such an interesting time yeah yeah it was really fun i um i sometimes think of like oh was i the pied piper was i just like hey everyone look at this world and then it's gonna bottom out (laughs) in two years (laughs) no i mean I don't know. We're we're still out here. Shipwrecks yeah. trying to make web series. So yeah, I'm I'm curious actually. Why web series? I've, it, I've been dying to ask you because it's the only thing we can do. Really, you could a hunt. The difference between headless as a feature and headless sure. as a web series is is 
structure and yes. the number of exports you have. <laughs> that is true. Um, I mean, Pope Party also plays as a feature. Sure. I, 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 yeah, don't, yeah. I don't mean to say that we can't do a feature. I think we would like to do a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean and Sinead just tend to write big, and they. Mm-hmm. I think they like the the fun of like uh, unveiling a story mm-hmm. over a period of time and mm-hmm. like parceling out information in that way and also just because i mean ultimately shipwrecked would like to be making half hour or hour shows you know mm-hmm. or ah that's interesting yeah, sean yeah, and sinead would like to be writing sure. shows like that sure for... so staying in the episodic lane yeah. makes sense. yeah because i was like what's the business no there's not to be, there's you know... certainly not it doesn't make sense from a business perspective and the part i mean but that's also like that's where our audience is too mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. um i don't know if we made it and we, again, I, I don't want to say we're not going to. I, we would really like to like make a little indie feature and like tr- mm-hmm. just do that route for the heck of like trying that and doing that and learning about that. Mm-hmm. But we just know that like our audience is is on YouTube and yeah. I, I don't know how how that would work if if and when we do a feature film. But we would like to eventually. I wonder also from the crowdfunding perspective how your audience would feel about paying you know mm-hmm. contributing to getting something made and mm-hmm. then being charged right to watch to it, see it. Some way. Yeah. yeah 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 that that feels a little less i mean exciting and, exactly and that's i guess in, in some ways we feel like we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner in terms of like this is how we've always made our projects and like mm-hmm. that's how we know how to raise money is, is crowdfunding. Um, mm-hmm. and... I, w- w- also, though, I mean, my wife just directed her first feature yeah. that I produced. Yeah. And uh, and it was through crowd equity, which is mm. slightly different in so much as that, like, uh, essentially we owe people that money back. It's mm-hmm. like um, it's buying equity in, in a project, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kickstarter is, you know, Money the up money front. Is money up front, and and that's that. And you know, like there's all sorts of different rewards and things like that. But um, good or bad, the you know, two views, a hundred million views, it's all the same to your Kickstarter backers, right? Right. right. The expectations are different, I guess, is what I'm saying. How do you feel about the equity? Like, I think it's interesting. Route. I think it's interesting. It's um much more complicated. Boy, I'll tell you what, you feel like an adult. Mm. You're like you're filing with the SEC. Wow. You know, you're like uh. Hiring lawyers and securities people and mm-hmm. uh, accountants and stuff like like the way that it works, not to bore everybody at home I'll go quickly, <laughs> but the different you feel like, oh, I know how to do this. I've done Kickstarter campaigns before, and there's a lot of it that's very similar. But then basically imagine you've set up your Kickstarter page. You do the video. You do outline perks. You know, they're like less uh, like merch oriented and a little bit more... The value proposition is different. It's more people who are like interested in filmmaking as a business or maybe, mm-hmm. a, you know, they want to set visit, that sort of stuff. The, mm-hmm. Those kind of those higher tier perks, I think, are pretty mm-hmm. similar between Kickstarter and, and uh, Reg CF crowdfunding, they call it. Mm-hmm. We did it on WeFunder. Um, but no one's getting a T-shirt or a postcard or like right. access to behind the scenes or anything like that. Like that stuff, I think, because it's an investment it, it, I think it feels a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you make that page and then you you 
submit it to the SEC because it is you are selling essentially stock equity in mm. your company. And so that's all moderated by a government body, you wow. know, the Securities Exchange Commission, right? Wow. To make sure that you're not giving anyone privileged information that gets set in stone. So like if you were to give someone insider information that's insider trading right <laughs> you know what i mean so you have to right. be and it's that's not like, bad <laughs> that's bad that's bad so so it becomes a total you're like oh you'd like straight you know i yeah. remember sitting up straight and being like oh i see what we're getting into here this is a would you deal. do it again do you feel like it was successful for you guys i mean look we we'd been um we'd had funding come and go a couple times over over the mm -hmm. last few years and uh, I sat down with a friend who had raised three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, and I know uh, Jim Cummings, who had also just yeah. launched a movie that like raised money overnight, essentially. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll, we'll try this out. And within I don't know two or three months, we were shooting our film. That's crazy. So it, it was it, it was too fast to be frank. It's like a a website. Like like is that how people find it? It is. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so the, the, the thing that's in traditional independent film financing, you kind of just have to know people. You have to know rich mm -hmm. people. You have to have access to mm -hmm. people who have a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. And before uh, the Obama administration and the Jobs Act, people had to be an accredited investor, which means they had to have a million dollars liquid. Not be worth a million dollars. You can't be like your house is worth a million dollars. You have to have a million bucks in the bank sitting around. Mm -hmm. And that's so that, you know, you don't, you know, uh, if someone loses all their money, they're not <laughs> bankrupt. Do you right. know what I mean? That's to protect people. Right. But so then the Jobs Act changed all that and allowed people to do micro investments, basically. So now people could invest $100, $1,000, whatever. Um, and they still sign a lot of paperwork that's like, hey, I know that I may not ever see this money again, and I'm 100% mm. okay with that. Mm. Um, they they sign like a 30-page document that says like, you might you lose your money. You're probably going to use a little money. Mm -hmm. Here are all the different reasons why you might lose your money. What if the movie is bad? What if no one wants to see it? What if three movies that are just like it come out and have bigger stars? Like you mm -hmm. have to literally list feasible reasons why your mo movie might not make money. Man. But, but those friends raised real money really quickly and mm -hmm. so you know uh it was myself chrissy and b who we mm -hmm. met on squaresville mm -hmm. good dear friend and so um so yeah we were off to the races really quickly the wow. thing is is that you know you're you're on the hook for that money yeah like when money starts to roll in we hire a company to, to distribute that money it's all sorts of other strings attached to give that money back to the people who gave exactly. it. exactly yeah and they're invested at depending on the terms most commonly they get 120 percent on their dollar mm. and then everything thereafter is split between the investors and the producers basically and we did a thing where we gave a lot of our quote unquote point, po points we mm -hmm. sliced the pie up a bunch mm -hmm. to our crew mm -hmm. so because it's like it would be such a bummer if like you know the movie goes to Sundance and it's sold for $20 million. Right. And you're like, well, I worked for 150 bucks a day yeah. for two months straight. Yeah. And, and that's producers, all I got. And yeah. that's all I got. Yeah, yeah. That's not cool. So yeah. we were like, hey, your rate's not going to be great. Mm -hmm. and But also, you know, mm -hmm. here's a point. Here's a, f a fraction of what, what our meal is, basically. 
Do you feel like I'm not trying to put you on the spot with this movie in particular? I guess I just my experience with indie films, which, to be fair, was happening in like around the Squaresville time of my career. Mm -hmm. I was shooting Mm -hmm. some indie films and I haven't shot one in a I haven't been a lead in an indie film since like 2013. They often do not make their money. Exactly. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's the sense that I got Mm -hmm. uh, from the movies that I was a part of. So it's tricky, right? Um, Because the way that people are making money on their films has changed a lot over the years. Sure. Mm -hmm. So like, when was the last time you bought a DVD? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we really were thoughtful about how much money we were spending We didn't go super big, you know, um, so that we had a good shot at making the money back, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a tightrope, right? Like you don't want your movie to look cheap. Right. But also, you know. Yeah. You also don't want to spend too much. Yeah. I think that there's a world where people are spending, you know, 15 million dollars. It's pretty hard to make 15 million dollars back. Yeah. Because it's not 15 million dollars gross. Right. You have to remember. You're spending a lot on marketing. You're spending a lot on, uh, you know, distributor costs, right? Uh, iTunes, Amazon, all of those different platforms, all the exhibitors are taking a cut. Like, there's a lot of different people who, like, take their bite before you get to that net profit. And then that net profit is what gets sliced up. So, it look, it's complicated. It's hard. I think that um, ours is a Christmas film, and mm-hmm. it was designed to have a seasonal nature to it so Mm -hmm. that we'll get more swings Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. um but also there are other markets that are opening up that are interesting and surprising to us like Mm -hmm. avod which is a ad-based video on demand so tubi pluto stuff like that Uh um i know films that are making tens of thousands of dollars a month wow small movies you haven't heard of wow guaranteed huh and I was like, oh, that's very interesting to me because, you know, it's like I would give a movie a shot that I hadn't heard of for free, Mm -hmm. especially if like I'm not in the mood to spend a ton of money Mm -hmm. or don't have a ton of money. I'm broke right now. Mm -hmm. So like Netflix isn't really in the cards or iTunes isn't in the cards or whatever. Right. Yeah. I'm in the mood for this movie. I'll give it a shot. It looks cute. Mm -hmm. I like the poster. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so man, that's all so interesting. I feel like it's wild. It's you wild for sure. Have always been so like on the cutting edge of things and like on. Unfortunately, <laughs> two, two, I'm a good two or three years ahead of the curve. Yeah, like you've always been this way. I'm yeah. like you're talking about stuff I've never heard of right now. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> How much did you guys raise for Headless? Two hundred k. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. That's free money. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. You don't owe anybody. You owe t-shirts or whatever, you're, yes. you know. It's, it, um, I, I think. Did you y- guys sell t-shirts? No. I feel yeah. like yeah, you yeah, yeah, told yeah. us years ago, don't do t-shirts. <laughs> and we have clung to that. We have it's, never done a Kickstarter perk that's t-shirts. <laughs> I, if I've taught you one good thing, <laughs> <make it awesome. laughs> The shipping uh, is brutal. Packaging is brutal. Storage is brutal. <laughs> yes. Flat things only. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we're so grateful. Also, 
you know, not to get too deep into it. I mean, it's wild that we have $200,000 and it's still not enough. Like, that's been yeah. very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Although, to be fair, we are making a small epic thing. Like, we aren't making two people talking in a room, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of or our fault. Or treehouse. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, if we were, then we would all be pocketing thousands yeah. of dollars and we'd yeah, be yeah. rich. But um, Well, like $2,000. <laughs> yeah. <probably. laughs> And as of right now, we are pocketing zero dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to um, tell the listeners at home what rent is? In Los <laughs> yeah, more than zero dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I but... more than two. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, indeed. But yeah, I mean, all that to say, Kickstarter does come with its own troubles and yeah. stresses. And yeah. there was a time where we were like, we are never doing this again. And then we did it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's also just a part of like having to learn, you know, how to not not work this like make that system work for you like we could mm-hmm. be better at doing a better job of budgeting how much we actually need for something or whatever oh, sure, you know sure, sure, sure. or like yeah knowing what you need to spend before you set yeah 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 that, that's interesting though because I, I wonder if the the smartest move honestly is to say okay i can count on us being able to raise $150,000 on Kickstarter, which is so much money. Yes, it is. And then saying, okay, well, let's write a movie, let's write a web series, movie, TV show that we can shoot for 100 mm-hmm. and then spend 50 on merch and marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the smart way to do it. And we have not done that. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to think that maybe in the future we'll figure maybe that out. Maybe the next one. Maybe <laughs> yeah. the next one. Um, yeah. Well, do you mind if I ask, Matt, like, I mean, not that you have to have anything going on because you just had a baby, but like in terms of you guys just released this movie, I know you wrote a feature that we did a little sure. reading of, of yeah. uh, last year. Do you have plans for like what you would like to be doing next? Yeah. Yeah. I, you Our know, um, you know, we everyone's emerging from the, the pandemic mm-hmm. trying to think things through. And in the last few years i squaresville did a lot for our careers Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and so there was a period of time where i was just like selling shows and like taking meetings and like life was good life Mm -hmm. was really good and life is still good just Mm -hmm. to be clear but like (laughs) but my career was on a different direction and then i started doing commercial work Mm -hmm. and that became more and more of my income and commercials are so fun because Mm -hmm. they our big budget, you know, like we're joking about making a indie movie for $150,000. And most of the time, my day of shooting is around that much money wow. on a commercial. That's so crazy. It is so crazy. <sighs> That's wild. It you, well, And also then you talk to your producers and you're like, wait, wh- why can't we make this work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I mean, because you're not paying your actors $150 and because they... Deserve right. more than that, for instance, right. as one of the things. <laughs> yes. And your crew and yep. your location. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not getting paid on a commercial, then no one ever gets paid ever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like no one needs to give a giant corporation, a, do them a favor. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway, th- my point is, is that like, you know, I started kind of missing those old days. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the the feature thing and this is why I was thinking about it and why I asked you all, features feel like the thing that you can do yourself. You don't have to ask permission for, Mm -hmm. right? 
but you still have to find that cash. You mm-hmm. still have to find the resources to make them work. It's pretty hard to make a $60,000 season, which is, you know, more than Squaresville. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, the the feature that that you were so kind to do a table read on, um, we're taking out after Sundance, which is exciting, which is Sundance is happening as we speak, uh, virtually, unfortunately. But um, so that that. We'll see what happens. So by you know? can you explain what taking out means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically uh, I've worked with some producers to put together numbers basically to say, okay, like this is how much money on the low end and on the high end this movie is going to cost mm-hmm. depending on if we get bigger names, it would cost more. And if we were doing more up and coming people, it would cost less basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of days and visual effects and all of that stuff. Um, and then we'll go to different financial entities, whether that's IFC Midnight or, you know, Shudder or whatever companies that are spending money. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll be like, hey, are you interested in this? Most of them will say no. <laughs> or they'll say, who's in it? Mm-hmm. And we'll say, we'll get back to you. <laughs> Do you like it or not? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. With the intent of saying, okay, well, IFC Midnight likes it, and they'll guarantee $50,000 for domestic rights, or $100,000, or whatever the number is. I'm just making up numbers. I have no idea. Right. Uh, and so I'll say, okay, well, $100,000, great. We still need 400 more. Mm-hmm. Let's go, and we're going to go look at all of the different foreign territories and see if we can get 20 from Bavaria and 10 from this, you know, and kind of cobble it together. That's the old school. That's how indie movies used to get made mm-hmm. basically is that you would sell off into uh, the foreign rights and then you'd be like don't worry jean-claude van damme is in it and so they were like great well we love jcvd out here <laughs> so we'll 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 we're good for twenty we we'll get all these contracts and then we'll say hey company financial entity this is how everyone has promised to give us this much money and then they will, quote unquote, cash flow the movie. So they'll say, OK, these guys are good for it. We've got got it in writing. So here we're going to front the money. We're going to charge you a percentage for giving you the money. You know, you're lo- you're spending money just to get the money. Right. Basically. Man. Uh, and then shoot the movie. And if it doesn't work, there's an insurance company that will step in and make right. it work. Mm-hmm. And then then we would take it to festivals and all that stuff. Right. And, and hopefully then try get and sell it sell it for even more than what the guarantees are for is the idea there man i guess the reason we haven't done that is just it just seems so overwhelming terrible (laughs) so much work (laughs) well you know what though so it's it's a a thing that i have learned that's hard is that you know you remember those kind of douchey kids who wanted to be producers in, at school? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, whatever, Chad. <laughs> and then and then you were like, oh, I'm going to go be friends with B, who's doing the work. Yeah. Who, who's not just saying she wants to be a producer, but like woke up at 4 a.m. to get everybody breakfast burritos. Yeah. And we're all ready to go. And I have my call sheet thanks to them. Yeah. The challenge is that Chad still wanted to be a producer and just like went to his dad and like learned the financial ropes Mm -hmm. or met the right players or just knows rich people and it's very hard to find a person who knows how to get things financed basically was a business major Mm -hmm. and then a person who is uh 
you know, in the trenches, quote unquote, with us. Right. And so that's the tricky thing, basically. Man, well. Uh, so, so you kind of maybe just have to be that person. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I wish you all the best with that. I, <laughs> no, I mean, truly like, terrible. I'm sure really, it, at uh, some yeah. point we're going to try and do something similar, but it does sound intense and stressful. Well, the nice thing is, though, that you'll have a track record. Sure. You'll be able to say. Sure. And also all of your things have a proven audience right. willing to pay money. <laughs> Who have given us money. Yeah. Given you money already. Yeah. And also that means all of those projects are cash positive. So if right. you were to say, put them on YouTube with ads behind them, that all of that is just money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, a lot of different ways to do it. I really liked that script. So I'm glad. Oh, thank you to hear yeah, that. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. I mean, there is, I don't know. I think we are also constantly torn between the like, I want to do what I like doing and here, i.e. for you directing commercials or whatever, like here's a way I can kind of do that and make money, mm -hmm. but it's not as fun or exciting or fulfilling ultimately as like doing this version of the thing that I like doing, which is like telling mm -hmm. a great story and usually for us that hasn't meant very much money so it's like <laughs> being caught between these two uh yeah. and yeah. every once in a while you get to do a thing that you really love and make a decent amount of money which sure. is sure. very rare well i think if you look at your favorite directors most of them have figured out a way to do both yeah you know or or television yeah. Is the other, th you know, there's money in television. Yeah. So, absolutely. like, there's just not money in indie films. So, yeah. That's yeah. why, you know, your boy Taika Waititi was uh, yep. doing Visa commercials for a long time My in between. My boy. <laughs> My best friend. Uh, would you mind if I ask you some questions from my Please. patrons? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so, I feel like I, uh, I went hard business I, instead of no i think this you know. is great because this is the and like nobody else has been on my podcast and talked about these specific things in this detail and i think obviously like i don't even understand how this all works and i'm in this industry so i, I barely do right yeah. i think it's just i think my listeners will really enjoy just sort of getting more of a layout of like this is actually the nitty-gritty of how this stuff happens and this is why it's so hard that's why sure. it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard because we I complain about stuff being hard all the time, but it's hard to like uh, <laughs> quantify just how it's hard. And like I, it is funny to, to watch you grow as a producer because <laughs> I very clearly remember you like texting me or maybe it was an email about like SAG fringes. Mm -hmm. You were like, did you do this? And I was like, <laughs> you're like, did you know this was a thing? <laughs> this is terrible. I'm, I'm sure I did. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, there's just... you had you had questions. You had stuff to. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Okay. Um, this is a, a nice question from Warren, who wants to say thank you for such a wonderful series, um, Squaresville. What was it about my portrayal of Zelda that you liked and that mm -hmm. made me right for the role? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were so lucky that we made that show so slowly mm. so remember we did um we shot like a like almost you think of it as like a pilot 
basically. Mm-hmm. It was like a few episodes that we would use as Squaresville or as a Kickstarter incentive. So like, oh, we would unlock episodes. Which I got to say was brilliant. And we at Shipwrecked have absolutely taken that idea and used it with our cast reveals for Kickstarters, which is like our number one. Is it a driver? Is it a yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, we feel cool. like that's it's great. like our ammo of like just keeping people excited throughout the Kickstarter. And that I mean, totally came from you doing that. Uh, well, I, it's it's nice to not have to talk about like Hey, just give us more money. Yep. Like you have something to talk about then, yep. you know, like, mm-hmm. and then you want people to like be excited about the new thing that's coming out. Yep. So it's, 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 it's an organic, I, th- I feel like I stole that from somebody once upon a time. But, um, <laughs> no new ideas. So, no, no, yeah. yeah true. <laughs> um, but so because of that, I had like, I don't know, a year in between that pilot and, um, and that first real season mm-hmm. to like, right to your skills Mm. like you you figure out like what everybody's best at what they like what's their natural essence and so i'm trying to think the audition process for zelda was long and i wasn't paying a casting director (laughs) uh it was just me and my wife (laughs) and david and david greenman my pal pal. Mm -hmm. so we just like and do you remember also maybe we I think we did. Th- there was a place in West Hollywood called Cast C A Z T, and mm-hmm. it was like free audition space, but you had to like bring in some of their people every time you had a breakdown up. Oh, I didn't um, know that's how that worked. Yeah, huh. it, and maybe they were selling subscriptions. Maybe you to were, actors, you were yeah, to actors. It was like you were required to give notes on everyone's tape. Yes. But so back in the day, you needed sp- you had to have physical space. You couldn't just get. Yeah. Um, self-tapes from people yeah um for better or worse but so i just kept looking we looked for months you know wow yeah. i don't know if i i guess if i knew that i forgot yeah 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 it was like how many times did we call you back to i you? genuinely do not remember i'm sure at least there was a at least three times you think so i, I think so yeah yeah because i was really precious and there was no again because i wasn't spending any money i was just burning my right. dear friends and wife's time their weekends. <laughs> but so like there wasn't a producer that was like, yo, we we're shooting in two weeks right. and like you're running out of money in right. the space. Like pick someone, you mm-hmm. know, there was no. So we did like chemistry reads. We did we? That's what I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember yeah. if I even read with anybody, but I guess I yeah, did. Yeah, you read, you read with Kylie for sure. Because Kylie w- was maybe the first element that locked in Mm. because Chrissy knew Kylie from acting class Mm. and so she was like oh Kylie could be right for this and so Mm -hmm. we read Kylie day one I want to say wow but we weren't sure you know it's Mm -hmm. like and I remember very clearly the day we were shooting in the cul-de-sac with David Ryan Spears Mm -hmm. and you two kiss in the middle of the Mm cul-de-sac and that was a special day that was so fun Mm. And our dear friend, Kevin Rosenquan, we were all so little. I remember him just like booming, like the full length of the pole. So it's like he's got like 20 feet of pole <laughs> just to stick because it was a big old wide as the sun setting. Uh-huh. And uh, after those takes, I remember him being like, oh, now I know what the show is. Mm. And 
partially I think I was very sparse with my scene description. You should reread those pages. I bet they don't make any sense. (laughs) 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 I think it was a lot of like, I know what I want. But remember, there was like exterior somewhere. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I knew that we just, we'd have to find, we'd have to find a corner somewhere to shoot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But all of which is to say like the show kind of had the luxury of being built around you two and, and how it worked, mm-hmm. how the chemistry like locked in, you know, wild times. Wild it times. was so cool. Yeah. I'm so like, again, retroactively proud of you and the team for doing <laughs> what you all did. And I still like, you know, people ask me which of my characters and I don't have a favorite, but I do think Zelda is you can say Zelda, it's fine. <laughs> she is the one that I still kind of relate to the most in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And I love mm-hmm. that. And like, I, I think that's probably, I mean, I hope I did a good job. That's probably part of why it was like the right thing for me at that time, because mm-hmm. I very much related to that feeling of living in a small town and like de- mm-hmm. just desperately wanting to do something cooler with your life and knowing that you have like something inside of you that that you got to find a, a place to put it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, I think that that I'm sure came out of those feelings. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we had plenty of time to evolve that character to point it in that yeah, direction. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember also, <laughs> I think it's in the pilot. There, There's that line where um, Kylie says, Esther says, uh, you don't know what you want. And you, your character says, that doesn't mean I don't still want it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Did I ever tell you? That was just a placeholder. Really? Yeah. I was just like, okay, well, I don't know. I'll figure it out later. I love <laughs> like, that. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. And I think I just didn't realize, like when we were running a scene, I was like, oh, I never rewrote that. That's so funny. Cause I feel like <laughs> I that, guess it like, works. yeah, yeah, yeah it, that it like, struck a chord be- with people. Yeah, yeah. It became one of the most, like, that's like the line of the show. Yeah. Kind of yeah. sums it up a little bit. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But just sloppy writing that I, you know, That's never funny. got around to. That's well, funny. I, I remember being in your truck. I remember sure. us like singing pumped up kicks and driving you insane. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was just fun. It was yeah. just a fun summer yeah. camp. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was great. I, speaking of things we were lucky about, that I drove a pickup truck. Yeah. That my parents bought that truck and then didn't like it and sold it to me (laughs) meant that I didn't have to rent a truck, Mm -hmm. which means I didn't have to have insurance, which, you know, like all these little things you don't even realize. Mm -hmm. And that that truck was the right size to fit a one ton pick one ton grip package and like one or two other things, Mm -hmm. which meant that we didn't need a big crew because you just wouldn't have enough gear. Yeah. To, to require that many people. Yeah. All of those things were just kismet. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's interesting to watch you all do bigger projects. And you do, I call it the 15 person bump. You know, and all of a sudden, like 15 people, including cast and crew, everybody. You don't have to worry about parking. Yeah. You know, you can get on the Chipotle app and yep. get food for everybody, no problem. And yep. then 16 and yep. all of a sudden, you're permitting things mm-hmm. and all of that stuff all of a sudden. And yeah. that was the difference between season one and two for me. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So figure out, I just want to, Yep. I've been thinking like, how do I make a 15 person thing on the weekends? Yeah. And then I can just do it forever yeah. and make commercials during the week mm -hmm. and be totally happy. Yeah. Yeah. We figured it out, MK. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And then we went and went, let's make a big show. Sure. With yeah. 30 people on the crew and t t 25 people in the cast. And now right, we're like, right. what were we thinking? Uh, well, you don't, you don't, you're not in your bedroom as a kid thinking like, gosh, yeah. I wish I could make a mumblecore movie yep. about two 30 somethings <laughs> in existential crisis. That's and true. even if you love those movies, yep. you know. Yep. You know, but Frodo, what didn't stay home, I yep. guess is what I'm saying. But, and I, you know, jokingly complain about the scope of the stuff that we do. But it's all so valuable to learn, I think, as yeah. a, as a yeah. person who acts in things or just is involved in making stories in any way, writing mm -hmm. or acting mm -hmm. or directing or what have you. Just having to actually go th <laughs> crawl through the dirt and learn these lessons is sure is uh is valuable and it's different lessons with every project you know without a doubt yeah yeah well matt this has been a very good chat thank you yeah. for joining me great to catch up mk likewise so fun thank you for having me on the show um thank you for coming on the show i think people are really going to enjoy this before we go can you quickly tell folks where to follow you and get your your stuff yeah i'm on the uh, um at Mr. Matt Enlow across everything. Yeah, MrMattEnlow.com, Twitter, Instagram. I'm trying to d like divide my social life a little bit more. Mm. Like, so Instagram, From I think. What you put out on yeah, social media? Yeah, just be a little bit more thoughtful, a little. I think Mr. Matt Enlow is going to be more career oriented, mm, sure. basically. So, like, a uh, set behind the photo, behind the scenes, and that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. current work, the fun stuff. Mm hmm. I remember seeing uh, someone comment on or in my podcasting co-hosts uh, posts like someone was like, I just want to see set photos. Don't show me photos of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's why you're following him. So I'm trying to be a little bit more like that. So that's funny. Um, yeah. And yeah. so uh, at Mr. Madden, that was the answer. Basically. And if you enjoyed this, go listen to Just Shoot It and yeah. learn everything there is to know about making movies and such. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thanks, MK. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed that. Lots of fun reminiscing. Lots of fun um, banter isn't the right word. But yeah, we've just both been creating things in the web sphere for years now. And I really am so thankful for all the good things that knowing Matt has brought into my life. And I will always look back on Squaresville with such fond memories. It was such a wonderful time. So yeah, hope you enjoyed that. Go follow him if you want to know more about what he is up to. As for more about what I am up to, there are just a couple days left of my Hobbit Houses of America Kickstarter. I hit my goal last night. So right now it's all gravy. It's a uh, all working to get me towards my $30,000 stretch goal, which will be a full episode on Ancient Lore Village, which is this incredible hotel in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, every room is themed differently. There's like an orc room and a fairy room and one that looks more like a hobbit hole. Uh, and so if I hit the stretch goal, I will stay in every single room there and include every single room in my episode about Ancient Lore. They also do um, activities like 
like archery, maybe axe throwing. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's like a full experience and I've actually already been talking with them and they're super excited about the possibility of being a part of my series. So um, really hoping that we can hit that stretch goal and um, make Ancient Lore Village a part of my Hobbit Houses of America series. But if not, either way, I'll be making three episodes of my new show uh and i'm i'm so excited and thanks to all of you who have uh pledged to be a part of the kickstarter but if you haven't yet it's not too late you got a couple days left um and otherwise i hope you are listening to shipwrecked comedy's newest project the case of the greater gatsby it is an audio narrative it's a podcast just like this one except it's fiction and it's really fun and funny we have really been enjoying putting it together it is freaking jam-packed with stars, you guys. Carlos Alizraki of The Fairly Odd Parents, Leslie Margarita of Matilda on Broadway, Jenny D of Being the Most Famous D&D YouTuber, Matt Mercer of Critical Role, uh, Tommy Hobson of That Girl Lele, and of course, all your favorite shipwrecked buds. Uh, we're all back, and it's really fun. We've got four episodes out so far. I hope you'll go catch up if you haven't listened yet. Subscribe, leave us a rating or a review if you can, for extra bonus points and uh, please continue to share it as it's our first like audio podcast situation so we need all the help we can get getting the word out there all right everybody thanks so much for listening i'll be back in a couple weeks with a new guest and a new interview and as always if you just can't wait you can hear more of this show on my patreon at patreon.com slash mkwiles it supports me making this podcast and there's a whole lot of other fun stuff on there all right everybody thanks so much for listening i hope you have a great weekend and i'll see you back in a couple weeks for more dear old world Bye! Dear Old World is recorded and edited by me, with assistance from Lizzie Goldsmith. The music is by Dylan Glathorn, and the podcast art is by Sophie Lesher. <laughs>